Hello, and welcome to the PLYMC's Library Anywhere podcast, where we discuss books, programs, and all things library-related in Youngstown and Mahoning County. Hello, and welcome back to the PLYMC Library Anywhere podcast. I am Rhonda. And I'm Kelly. And thanks for joining us. To help celebrate Native American Heritage Month, and Native American Heritage Day on November 25th, we have invited a special guest speaker who will provide an abundance of cool information for our listening audience. Yes, and I am so excited and I can't wait to get started. But before we do, um, Kelly, let's talk a little bit about Native American Heritage Day. Okay. This special day was signed into law in 2008. It's observed annually on the Friday after Thanksgiving. And this day honors Native Americans across the nation and celebrates their cultures and traditions. And I'd also like to add that it also recognizes the many contributions of Native Americans. And everyone from you know all kinds of backgrounds are definitely encouraged to celebrate this day as well. Mm-hmm. If anyone is looking for ways to celebrate this important day, be sure to check out a book about Native Americans. Our library has a great collection of both eBooks and books in print. And of course, I think the information gleaned from reading is one of the best ways to learn about Native American culture. I totally agree, Kelly. And you know what? I like to add that, you know, documentaries, I think they're also a great learning tool and also participating in various events. Uh, whether it's something that's online or in person. Um, So I know a lot of times you can catch a lot of uh, things like that to participate in. And one other thing comes to mind is possibly cooking a Native American meal. And for those of you who know I love to eat and will probably eat just about anything. But I think that's a great way as well. I'm thinking back, I remember my youngest daughter, um, she was learning about Spain and she had to cook something from that country and bring it in for uh, the class to taste, and of course, all the students had to do the same thing. But I thought, you know, that was just such a good way to learn about, you know, the different type of food that they eat. And you know, again, it can be done with a Native American meal as well. What a fun idea, Rhonda! <laughs> it was <laughs> okay. So, as we mentioned, we do have a special guest joining us today, and that is Mr. Ty Smith the project director of the Native American Indian Center of Central Ohio, or NACO. Welcome. Hey, ladies. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you for having me here today. Yes, we are so glad to have you. And just to start out, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? A little bit about myself. Well, been in Ohio the second half of my life now. Since my mid-20s, I'm originally from the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs, Oregon, tribally enrolled member of the tribe. My wife as well, Masami Smith. We together are management here at NACO, and we say NACO because it's less of a mouthful than the Native American (laughs) Indians from Central Ohio. So if you hear me say NACO or the center, I'm referencing to our agency here in Columbus. Yeah, we've been at the helm since uh, 2011, but we've been in Ohio since 96. We have three children together. They as well are enrolled tribal members of our tribe. So uh, I think that's kind of a snapshot. I mean, there's definitely more to talk about, but, um, you know, we've been out here. One thing I can say that's been a really neat, but a never-ending learning experience is really coming from the reservation 
and now living in uh, Ohio, a place that's really without any type of uh, infrastructure comparable to that, what you would see out West, you know, in, in what's better known as Indian country. But we have a new, um, I guess, just a heartfelt appreciation for what it means to live in the urban setting, you know, as opposed to, you know, once living have grown up on the reservation. But I'll say about that much for right now. <laughs> there are more to share for sure. Awesome. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about your organization and how you got started with NACO? NACO has been in existence since 75, 1975. Um, the original founder, you know, uh, God bless her. She's not with us anymore, but she started a legacy of something that has turned into its own legacy in itself going forward. But her name is uh, Selma Walker. Uh, or I should say was Selma Walker. She passed away r roughly when we first moved into the area. But her whole premise was really just about creating uh, space and, and a sense of home in a place that it, it was hard to, uh, to recognize or even point at anything that was, you know, again, like, you know, our experience comparable to what we would find, you know, in, in Indian country. After that, her daughter, Carol Welsh, and her husband, Mark Welsh, they were the second set of hands to stand in as management. And following them, we came in in 2011, both my wife and I. And early on, we weren't sure what it really meant to stand in as management, but we were very fortunate to implement a couple of really neat projects. And one of them was all about really engaging the community and the fancy wording that goes along with that. It was a participatory project that uh, focused on really identifying the needs and concerns of the people here in Ohio. The project was called Circles of Care, definitely worth giving mention to because it really was a foundational starting point and cornerstone to the work ahead that we would have never known, you know, but in hindsight, we are so thankful that that project was uh, available to us as an agency, but more so to those that personify our mission work. Oh, nice. When you, you know, your website says that the Native American Indian Council Center of Central Ohio, NACO, is devoted mm -hmm. to preserving and restoring balance in the lives of Native Americans through traditional, cultural, educational, family, community, and wellness-driven values and initiatives. Can you uh, elaborate on how this is done? Well, I think it's better yet to even kind of peel it back one more layer and to, uh, to give mention to the project that I was just talking about. And what we found is that we were all kind of going through this transition and learning stage of what it meant, one, to, to keep the lights on, to, to engage the community, but better yet, provide programming that was meaningful to them. And through the work that I mentioned earlier, through Circles of Care, through the needs assessment aspect of that project, we were able to unveil that culture, hands down, was the most important piece to our community. And it, it had to do with connection with identity and, and in terms of really wanting to better understand, you know, the subtleties and nuances that are embedded in the value systems and the worldviews that our people have from time immemorial, really, you know. So these ancestral teachings were underscored time and time again as important to have in our people's lives because this was going to be the strength and the foundation we needed to coexist and really walk in balance in two worlds simultaneously, mm -hmm. the Western world and, of course, our own native world that we live in and come from. So our task at hand was really about how do we provide that? And so what we came to realize is that we had some sense of expertise within the community. And mind you, we're a very intertribal community. So the makeup is 
we've seen in excess of over a hundred different people walking through our doors since just our time at the helm. And, you know, there's, there's easily more than that, but you have to be considerate to the fact that the makeup is very diverse. And so in that though, we had to prioritize, well, what are the main concerns and issues that we are all looking at? And um, you became you know, well, I shouldn't say became, I mean, it just, it came to the forefront just naturally. And so we did, we rallied around the idea of how do we embody that? And how do we make that a part of the mission work and the vision of who we are and what we are going to do going forward? So hence our programming has been about engaging and creating opportunities to have our people intersect and weave culture and tradition into their lives. And so we do that through programming. We do that by inviting subject matter experts into our area from other parts of Indian country, from other different tribes. Uh, we've had immersion experiences where we just took off and we left for at different points in different uh, summers. A lot of this was actually too prior to COVID. So while we were doing things in person, but, uh, but yeah, we were able to go out into Indian country. So we went out West, we went out to Oklahoma, South Dakota, Montana, Oregon, Washington, a variety of other places, you know, the six nations region to the East of us in New York. And uh, yeah, we, we just were there. And again, we were just allowed to allowed our youth to just immerse themselves in this community cultural experience. And so that is a lot of the programming that we've been providing. Now, COVID, yeah, did change, you know, the, the approach. Uh, but, you know, granted, now we're kind of coming back into a state of normalcy. So we're looking ahead now as to where we left off and where we're going to pick up and start to take things again. So we're excited going forward, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. Your programs are remarkable. I also saw, I was poking around on your website. Another program that I saw was Mako Cuisine. You guys have a food trailer. What, how does that work? What kind of cuisine do you make? And most importantly, can you drive it down here to Youngstown? <laughs> <laughs> well, where do I start with that? And and I know for the sake of time, I want to try to be concise here. But again, the, the idea, just the birth of Naco Cuisine was by way of the consensus of our people. And the conversation was um, revolved around what does sustainability look like for our agency? And we all know that um, nonprofits a lot of times, you know, are grant funded, but, you know, soft dollars can only take you so far and for so long. So we had to think internally, what can we do? And food. Just it almost was a, a, a natural answer, a response. And, and so hence, we looked at the idea and we played around with it. We kept bringing it back to the community and just talking it through further and further. And before we knew it, we were talking about the idea of, well, we, let's put something together that allows us to operate as, and I think the first terminology was a food wagon. We were called our, we were thinking of ourselves as a food wagon. But yeah, we evolved into a food trailer and we offered Native American street food through the trailer itself. Now, there's another cool story here, and I definitely want to give mention to this. We had to shut down right after we opened and COVID respiked and we had to then sit back and wonder like, well, now what do we do? And so going back to the drawing board and my wife's genius, she was like, hey, we've done served a lot of people before and we can do something that's touchless and safe. And so we came up with platters. And so we offer as well platters. And so the platters are 
basically, well, I shouldn't say basically because there's a lot of different pieces and parts that make up what platters really are, but it's uh, an experience and it's, it's a means for us to share part of our culture with people. But the food that we bring forward is in representation of a variety of different tribal regions. So for instance, we have platters from the Southwest, the Northern Plains, Montana, the Northwest, the Northeast, Oklahoma nations. And we still got a few up the sleeve as well that we're, we're looking to bring out this coming winter. So we chose to do that. And it actually was a good option at the time. And, and it helped us to really transcend into something that we really wouldn't have thought of. And, and it's weird to say, but COVID in its own way was kind of a blessing for us. So anyway, today we still offer platters and we just shut down our trailer on Indigenous Peoples Day. That was the last day and we'll be putting the trailer away for the winter until next spring. But coming January, turn of the year, we're going to be announcing platters again in the central Ohio area. And for Youngstown, what I can say for right now, we haven't put our schedule together for next year, but we are planning on branching out further than just the central Ohio area Ooh. next year. So okay. stay tuned. But in the meantime, you can <laughs> drive to Columbus and come get our platters through probably January, February, March, and April. Okay, we got a deal. <laughs> yeah, we'll stay in touch. <laughs> Looking at the word sustainability, I noticed that it was highlighted on your website. What does that look like for you? Well, in terms of sustainability, one of the main things is keeping the community together. And how do we do that? And we're dispersed, we're far spread in different parts of the state. And as the only viable urban Indian center in Ohio, it can be a tall order at times, but the work is very important. So keeping the community together and being able to access the unique and authentic programming that we offer that does revolve around community development, but also uh, the preservation and restoration of culture. We needed to continue to look towards the future. And what that entailed was us really, you know, coming to terms with what does sustainability look like for our agency? And again, you know, by way of NACO Cuisine, but also some another another avenue of uh, through fundraising, we've been able to really try to find we're, we're finding I should say a means to sustaining our important programming and uh, our agency and keeping our community together. Dollars that are generated, the revenue that comes in by way of Nico Cuisine, all comes back in house, and we're moving towards not only sustaining the programming and the community in itself. But now we're also looking forward to a campaign that we call Land Back NACO. Sustainability, though, is for us to really just keep the good work that we're doing going forward and make sure that it's here for the next generations to, uh, to pick up and carry on. And so we really feel that our role right now is uh, just, just carrying the torch, you know, during our time period. But at some point in time, we're going to have to look to pass that. But uh, the reality is, too, that, uh, you know, it takes dollars to, to keep the lights on, you know, and to keep um, the building warm and to have a place, you know, that we can gather and come together. So sustainability at this point has definitely been a focus area. And so hence, you know, the birth of NACO Cuisine, but uh, also some of the fundraising that we're doing as well. So you mentioned fundraising. So can you tell us a little bit about Land Back NACO? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Lambac NACO, a very, very important initiative. It's a campaign that uh, we're aspiring to acquire a minimum of 20 acres, preferably in the central Ohio area. But at this point, anything really is uh, the ideas and the possibilities are wide open. And so 
we have today raised in excess of 150K. Our mark is to hit 250,000. And we feel that that will be a sufficient amount of dollars for us to go to the bargaining table and, you know, hopefully be able to look at something that's going to be in the best interest of our people and going to be a piece of land that's going to just really help us to have a true sense of space and a sense of a home here in Ohio. So yeah, Landback NACO, we started it in uh, 2019. And at the time, it was very grassroots, very informal. And it wasn't until the beginning of 2022 that we got very serious about it. And we thought that let's officially just kick the doors open on this campaign and just spread word about it, you know, far and wide. And at the beginning of the year, we were at 100K and 100K was from dollars that were donated and as well, a matching amount of funds from us from NACO as well. So it was about a 50-50 involvement. And so since the beginning of 2022, though, like I said, we have raised in excess of $50,000. So we're at $150,000 plus, probably getting closer to $160,000 as we speak. Uh, we will be pushing the campaign further. And um, what I do want to say as well is kudos to Buckeye Nation. Wow. They have just stepped up in a way that we would have never known. And so loving, just we're humbled and excited but, you know, just all our love and respect to each and every one that has jumped on board and just really, again, lifted us up and stood behind all the things that we're trying to do here through this campaign. That's really nice. That's awesome. And, and you know, I was reading on your site, uh, website, where it says Native community here at NACO has told us on countless occasions that we need a space in Ohio that we can call ours, where we can gather and be ourselves, thus to honor our past thrive in the present and walk proudly into the future. Needless to say, land will always be an essential piece to sustain in our legacy as Native people. Can you tell us why that's important? I think when you really start to look at it, you have to look at the deeper meaning that goes along with the why associated to us, you know, saying that land is important, a space of our own, a place to call home. And we try not to sit here and make it about the past and having to be so angry that we can't see straight. But we do know that from those atrocities, you know, there's a lot of parts and pieces that play forward into our lives. And we know that the effects and the traumas associated from that time period that our ancestors and, you know, not too many generations back from where we are today, they really suffered and they really struggled. And so we feel that what we're doing now and the reason that land back isn't so important to us is this is us writing a new chapter, and this is us taking the narrative and writing it by way of our own hand. And on behalf of what the people here in Ohio have deemed to be important. So both my wife and I, Masami and I together are really just, we're caretakers and we really just see ourselves as helpers in the process. And we're doing our best to honor and just take care of the word and the consensus of, again, of what our people have deemed to be important. And Landback has become a huge piece to uh, what NACO stands for. But we know going forward that by acquiring this place, you know, this land where we're not sure where it's going to actually be just yet. But when the time comes and going into the future, we know that this is going to be essential to us, you know, maintaining a real strong sense of our identity. And again, writing a new, fresher, successful chapter in our own people's history. We wake up sometimes and we're not sure quite what's going on. And we don't know if we're in a dream or if it's, you know, but trust and believe there's work and not everything's just, you know, perfect, but I, 
at times it really does feel like the stars are starting to align mm, and good. it is it is just it's you know it's it's kind of that you sit back and you just you remain humble and you just keep putting one foot forward and just keep doing the best that we can but um man we've made headway and we are excited and it it feels like you know this this turning point has already begun to happen and that this this uh, this dream is going to become reality sooner than later. That's wonderful. That's great news. Mm-hmm. Okay, so well, November is Native American Heritage Month. Um, what significance does this hold for you and for NACO? Well, when I think of Native American Heritage Month, and this is a this is a personal take on it, I just think it's a good time to reflect and remember. And to acknowledge that, you know, our presence is still here and that the makeup and the landscape of this place that we call the United States or even the North American continent or in the Six Nations people's terminology, Turtle Island, our roots, our our creation stories are embedded and ingrained in the history of this place. And so I think it's good to remember and to, again, acknowledge the reality of that and bring that forward into today. And so I think it's good for us as Native people, but I think even the general public to just have a moment to stop and just, you know, give consideration and just, if you would, you know, pay homage and respect to uh, those that were here before, you know, and so to be a part of that, yeah, it definitely brings out a feeling of pride. And we're proud of who we are. And I think it just empowers us a little bit more to remember at times. And so I think it's just a good moment for us to kind of look around and know that one, we're not invisible. We are here. And we use it as a time to celebrate. And for us, the fall time was a time to usually have that feast before a lot of the clans or the tribes or the societies kind of separated and broke up into smaller groups. And they would usually have one feast or potlatch together. And so we use it as a time too to honor that and and to, to bring our community together. And so we still are embodying that in today's day and age. And uh, we do the best that we can to uphold those sides of our culture and traditions. Yeah, that's wonderful. And and Ty, is is there anything else that you would like for our, our audience to know about uh, NACO or just Native Americans in general? Is there anything else you'd like to add? I think for for people that are wanting to help learn, there's literature out there. There's definitely documentaries. And to maybe look at some of the, the literature and, and even some of the stuff on the silver screen that we're, we're having producers, we're having uh, cast, actors, uh, directors, that, and, and it's all Native. To understand, though, that there, there is a current context to who we are and to, to look past stereotypes and to be mindful that sometimes overgeneralizing isn't always helpful to acknowledging who we are. And so sometimes I think it's even worth saying, too, that it's okay to just admit and be honest that sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And in that, I think if things are going to be about us, well, then it should include us and our voice should be in that conversation. And so hence, you know, I was speaking to literature or anything that you might find in terms of documentaries or, you know, some of the new series and movies that are out there. But if you can know that those were Native inspired and that the input and the drive and, you know, just really the parts and pieces that make it up were, you know, put together by Native hands and by Native voices and minds to take that into account that, you know, this is giving you 
a better look at who we really are in today's day and age, because unfortunately, we have been oftentimes kind of cast into a light that we're a part of this pan Native American imagery or some over romanticized version of what Hollywood has painted us out to be or something else, you know, or even at times, you know, we're kind of cast into this light where we're only defined by disparities, deficits, darkness, dysfunction. And it isn't always that, you know, there's a lot of things that are very awesome to who we are. But one thing I would say too here in Ohio is I would really ask people to be mindful of the fact that We're on this journey and we're still trying to get our bearings and our feet underneath us so that we're strong enough to walk forward together as a community, as an intertribal nation, as NACO nation here in Ohio. So sometimes we do need space. And so what I mean by that, as a small agency, as basically a mom and pop operation, just to appreciate our time and to be mindful enough not to try and bombard us with everything and don't take it personal if we have to say, hey, look, we are booked full from the beginning of the year to the end of year already. (laughs) And so is the case many a time. So I think if people can understand things like that, it helps. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say about that much for right now. Great. And thank you so much again, Ty, for joining us. Before we go, can you let everyone know your website address and where they can find NACO on social media? Our web address is NACO.com. That's N-A-I-C-C-O.com. And you can also find us on our social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Basically, just type in NACO. One's 1975 NACO and the other one's NACO 1975. So look for those. Um, But yeah, we do a lot of postings on there and a lot of updates. Uh, And again, you know, right now with NACO Cuisine uh, becoming as popular as it has, and there will be platters coming up again this winter, uh, starting at the turn of the year. So we use social media a lot of times as well to to help get word out about that. But again, to you ladies, I want to say thank you, Kelly, Rhonda. Thank you for having me and just <laughs> allowing us to, to share our story and just, you know, shed a little bit of light and awareness about who we are. So thank you. Kuala. Thank you. Thank you again. And thank you to your wife as well and everything that you're doing uh, and have done for NACO. So thank you again. Thanks to everyone for tuning in and bye for now. Thank you for joining us this month at PLYMC's Library Anywhere podcast. Make sure to visit our website at www.librayvisit.org where you can always find more great things the library offers. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. Also, check out our Instagram feed or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at PLYMC. You can also find us on TikTok at VPLYMC. And be sure to tune in next month for our next episode. And thanks for listening.